over the next couple months, we have an incredible sponsor that I'm going to keep telling you about. It's Yukon River Knives. Yukon River Knives exists to support missions work in rural Alaska by providing outdoor enthusiasts with premium quality knives. A portion of every purchase goes to helping advance the gospel in rural villages in Alaska. Featuring both handmade and high-quality production knives, Yukon River Knives has curated some of the finest and most useful knives in the market. Go check out their products at yukonriverknives.com and enter Shepherd's Crook at purchase for a coupon code and a 15% discount. As you guys know, in the past, I've worked with Buck Knives. Now, I love Buck Knives, but there's a difference with a knife like that, a mass-produced knife, and the Yukon River Knives. When I think about Yukon River Knives, I'm thinking about a knife that I can give down as a legacy piece to one of my grandsons, and I'm looking forward to that. Also, their small game knife is going to be my primary knife that I use for whitetail season this year and for my boar hunting trip in the early spring. Their knives feel great in the hand, and you can just tell looking at it and the feel of it that it's a well-balanced, great knife with a sharp edge, and it's going to last for a lifetime, and not just my lifetime, but multiple lifetimes. Yes, you can go buy another stock knife, or you can check out what Yukon River is doing and get you a nice, quality, premium knife that you're going to be able to hand down to your grandkids. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. I hope you guys are all doing well today. I am really looking forward to this conversation, and I'm going to get to know this guy as you are getting to know this guy as well. I'm talking to a new buddy. Well, I guess I've known him on Gab for a little while. I'm talking to the man, the myth, the legend, Nick Storm today. Nick, how's it going, man? It's going pretty great. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Why don't we go and pray, and I think we'll have some fun. All right. Father, we just thank you for this time. I ask for blessing upon the conversation. I thank you for Nick and all the things he's got going on for his family, uh, for his love for you. And Lord, I just ask that uh, there would be blessing upon his work that he's doing, um, the business that he started, and uh, just this conversation as a whole. Help it to be edifying and encouraging to everybody that listens. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, brother. I've seen you on Gab. I've learned from you. You say some great things, but I want to know a little bit about you. So why don't we go ahead and just hear about yourself, where you grew up, uh, when you became a Christian, how you met your wife, your family, and all all of that yeah yeah sure it's a it's an interesting story i suppose as it is for everyone i grew up in uh, upper michigan uh way up there so north of you just uh not too far um grew up in a christian home uh and then my family moved out to washington state in 2008 uh, for my dad's work and uh we lived out here and I decided to go back to Michigan for college. That was 2012. I started. Okay. I graduated in uh, 2017 with a degree in engineering management. And interestingly enough, uh, when we had first moved out to Washington, I was kind of in that uh, early teenage years where I was. I left my friends in Michigan. Right. Kind of had a hard time moving yeah, out that's here. Tough. That's tough. And when I went back to Michigan for college, I just loved it. I felt like I was back home. And 
I told everyone I'm never going back to Washington. <laughs> I just, I love it here. I hate it out there. And I, God, God uh, obviously heard that and said, well, you can make your plans, but my plan's better. So it worked. And so, so what happened is uh, kind of interesting, uh, a story, uh, Romans eight twenty eight. all things working together for good. I'm up in Michigan and I uh, get a call from my mom and my 17 year old cousin had passed away in a car accident. Oh man. And uh, so I flew out to Washington uh, for the funeral and um, hanging out at uh, his parents' house, just with all the kids from out there. And I met this girl. Um, She was a cousin on the, the other side of the family. And I just, I was like, I need to talk to her. So I did, and I was out in Washington for about a week, but we started uh, texting, and we ended up um, doing a lot of Skype and, and talking over over the internet, and I made a trip back. That was, that was May. I made a trip back at the end of that summer and uh, talked to her dad and got his blessing to, to start dating his daughter. Nice. And it turned into a basically long distance relationship from 2015 to 2017. I'd come out here in the summers and we could spend the summers hanging out, going on actual dates, but it was, it was tough, but it was really a blessing because we got to hash out everything. uh, Just long conversations over zoom Mm -hmm. and really get to know one another, what, what we thought about certain things, all of our upbringings, and it was, it, it was really good. It was, it was tough, but I wouldn't have changed it. Um, God knew exactly what he was doing. Right. And uh, so came out here in 2016 and proposed, proposed. And then uh, let's see, 13 months later, after I graduated, we got married and we've been out here since. So from that point, then you're moved out here. Now, did you put your engine engineering degree to work, engineering management? So were you able to find work real quick? You get married. Yeah. And then, I know you have some kids now, so just kind of lay out that timeline as well. Yeah. So I, I came out here and I actually got a job. Um, I'm still working there full time uh, as supervising their machine shop. But they were looking for someone with an engineering degree because I work extensively with the engineering department on prototyping and product development, design for manufacture. Okay. But I'm also a hands-on guy. So it's, it's been a great job for the last uh, five plus years. Okay. Um, and then, yeah, we have uh, three children, uh, two boys and our baby girl. Um, my oldest is going to be turning four in a couple of days here. Okay. And awesome. second will be second will be three in November. So it's, Man, that's uh, great. it's, it's a busy season, but it's a lot of fun. It is a lot of fun. That's, that's cool. We have two boys and a girl, but they're a little bit okay. older, eight, eight, four, and almost two, our little girl. And we're hoping for more, but we'll see what the Lord does. You know, his plans are always the best plans and, and we're exactly. hopeful, but we're going to trust him, you know, along the way. Yeah. So then, so then you got this kid going on, but then you started a storm, what, what used to be storm uh, industries or, or I forget the exact name of it. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and tell yeah. us? And I'm curious as to why the name changed. I think you told me a little bit about that, but uh, what do you got going Did on? I lose with that? you. 
Yeah. So 2021, just about a year ago, I bought this little desktop CNC mill and it was more of a, let's, let's just see what I can do and maybe bring in some extra money each month. And real quick, I started um, making these just engraved metal keychains, just kind of patriotic or Christian themed designs on them. And I just marketed them on Gab and that, that was it. I had Etsy. I sold maybe five on Etsy and then it all of a sudden took off on Gab for some reason. And I was, I was selling hundreds of them. (laughs) That's awesome. And, and we just had this set up. Uh, I was like sanding these little keychains. I, I wasn't set up at all. I wasn't planning on this. So Mm -hmm. I had cookie sheets with water and different levels of sandpaper and sanding keychains late into the night. (laughs) That's awesome. And it was, it was really encouraging. And I just got that taste of uh, entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. or business ownership. And I was like, I love this. How, Mm -hmm. how do I take this to the next level? And then uh, let's see, it was probably early, early this year, we got a couple of guys in my church, uh, good brothers. Uh, We started talking about how we could build something different um, that hopefully we would build it. It might be a slow build, but it would be something that could be passed on through the generations. Okay. So building up wealth that could be passed on through yeah. family and open up avenues for all of our kids, whatever their interests might be. If you grow a company big enough, you could have to work in finance, manufacturing, marketing, sales, all of that stuff. So how do we build something that's going to last, have a good name, and then hopefully when we're we're gone, like 100 years down the road, it's making a difference in the world, making a mm-hmm. difference in our families' lives. So that's, that's where we decided to start Cody Manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Cody Manufacturing, uh, we, we went around and around and around trying to figure out what we wanted to name it. So I am a hundred percent Finnish in my heritage. My other buddies like Finnish and Swedish okay. and the other others like European mix, but Cody, we settled on K O T I. That's the Finnish word for home. Okay. Yeah. So part, part of our mission is, is uh, redirecting people's focus towards that traditional Christian household awesome. and away, away from the cheap consumerism. Yeah. So Fantastic. When you when you're looking at the way you're decorating your home, uh, the way you're um, buying uh, utensils or whatever for your kitchen, think long term. And you've said this on your podcast uh, multiple times: it's quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And that's, we we want to do that, and we're starting out with these simple metal signs because it's not a not a huge uh, upfront cost to to get those rolling. But just this morning we prototyped a uh, kind of a cool little part um, that will probably be pretty popular for uh, people who are raising livestock. Okay, great. um, We got our shop up here on my buddy's property. He's got a few acres, but he's raising pigs and sheep and chickens. Uh, This is where we did all those uh, meat chickens last spring. And it's interesting, you start working with all the animals 
and you're like, oh man, I wish I had a tool for this. Or you run into all these different problems. And now we're set up where we can say, okay, let's solve this and make something that solves the problem. So it's starting to get really fun. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's a slow build and it's a lot of work. Oh man, I love the vision for that. And you and I have been influenced by a lot of the same people I know. And so thinking long-term and multi-generationally and building a household that yeah. is going to help kids, grandkids and, and building that generational wealth is such a noble endeavor. A good man leaves a, an inheritance to his children's children. And that's, that's an awesome thing. So I'm curious your theological influences, because I see, you know, quoting some of the same people that I've read and, and learned from, and I've got some years on you. So how old are you right now, Nick? I'm 28. Okay, 28. So I've got 10 years on you, but I'm still trying okay. to uh, grow a mustache and beard just like you are, it looks like. And, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm working on it. It's hard work. <laughs> it is hard work. One of these days, maybe that thing's going to come in. And uh, yeah. so why don't you go ahead and kind of backtrack a little bit. So you grew up in a Christian home, but when was it that uh, really... God got a hold of you and your theological tra uh, trajectory. Let's kind of hear that a little bit to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I grew up in a Christian home. Uh, background was kind of most, mostly like Lutheran, um, more traditional. We didn't really get into a lot of theology proper. Uh, no, no eschatology really besides Jesus is coming back someday. Okay. Uh, but it, it was good. Uh, I don't have really complaints about my upbringing. My parents were very diligent in teaching us about Jesus and, and the gospel. And I love that. And I'm indebted to them for that. Yeah, amen. Uh, but after we moved out here, I had, it was, let's see, it was Easter services. My uncle from Michigan came out here and, and was preaching some sermons over the course of the weekend for Easter. And he mentioned in, in one of his sermons, this word election. I was like, what? I've never heard this. Mm -hmm. And I, I can tend to nerd out on stuff. So I was like, I need to read more into this. So I just, I started to deep dive into reformed theology and it, it really clicked. It opened up the scriptures for me yeah. and it just made a lot of sense understanding God's sovereignty over everything. Mm -hmm. And I loved it. And that's probably, that was 20, 2013. So I, yeah, I was out here on a, on a break from school, I guess. Uh, and ever since then, I've just been reading and it wasn't until 2020 that I really started looking into eschatology and mm -hmm. I, I landed in the post mill camp. Uh, a lot of Doug Wilson uh, is what, really really pushed me in that direction but i've i've tried to read somewhat extensively uh and i think a lot of the same guys that that we've we've listened to uh they, they've shaped my my thought on reform theology and in particular post-millennialism yeah yeah and it's, it's just changed the way i see everything it does uh, it really is it's it's pretty Amazing. When, when you when you think about theological shifts that people make over the years, there's pretty significant earth shaking, life changing moments. And when it comes to soteriology, you get into this election thing or the sovereignty of God thing. It changes your world. It just turns things up to upside down in, in the best sort of way. And eschatology has been a little bit like that as well. And postmillennialism certainly was like that, where 
for me, it was uh, since 2018 or 19, somewhere, I think it was 2019-ish, um, that that whole understanding of the scriptures and whole vision of post-millennialism kind of came together and pieced together for me. Yeah. And it's, it is life-changing. It's a lot of fun. It's invigorating. It mm-hmm. gives you proper ambition. Um, and not that it's an exclusive way to get proper ambition, but there are certainly implications that flow from post-millennialism that are just a lot of fun. It, indeed. Yeah. It's, it's been, it, it's kind of funny thinking about it uh, the last couple of years, how much crazy stuff is going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And then, Somehow, I'm still landing in this optimistic camp, <laughs> right? And and uh, it's it's not all like it's not just this this rosy vision. Everything's great, and it's just going to keep getting better and better. But it's it's kind of this resilient hope in God's promises yeah. that the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It's like yeah, let's let's work towards <laughs> let's, that. Let's aim there, you know. Let's let's go. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, a part of this, I'm sure, has played into your real pat push for a parallel economy, and a lot of that has been on Gab. And mm-hmm. I've really appreciated Gab. I, the people that I follow, it's just a lot of fun. I'm totally done with Facebook. Totally done with Twitter. So Gab is the exclusive place that I do videos. I don't do anything on YouTube. It's the exclusive place that I do any sort of social media, ex- with the exception of Instagram. I do have Instagram, but. Yeah. Um, I see you posting about about parallel economy. I saw that with your uh, ads that you're running last year. But why don't you just kind of explain that of why it's important for Christians to help one another out and to build from within. And if you're going to give money somewhere, it's going to be the, I think, wisest thing to try to keep it within the body of Christ. And so kind of explain Mm -hmm. your I'd just love to hear your thoughts on all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's. it, It started to really dawn on me, probably. And it was going on a lot longer than this, but it, it dawned on me with with all the social justice stuff. And you see all the big corporations pushing this agenda, and you start to think about it. Okay, I'm I'm buying from them. They're using my money to promote this uh, evil ideology, the one that wants to destroy my way of life as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's not a road I want to go down. But I can't just complain about it, that just complaining about something doesn't really do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's got to be some sort of solution. So you start thinking through, okay, I need to buy goods, whatever, whatever it might be. I need to buy goods. But most of the time, you have a choice of where you can buy goods from. Right. So if you, if you have a, a Christian brother who is selling whatever good it may be, or he's a mechanic or a plumber, whatever it is, you can choose to deliberately have them do the work. Mm-hmm. And what's that, what that's doing is, you know, your money is going to someone who's supporting their family and, and in turn spending that money in another good place because it's called currency. Cause it's always, it's always flowing. It's mm-hmm. always moving. Where, where do you want it moving and what do you want it doing? Uh, I, I think just just that aspect that you're able to support bro- your brothers and sisters uh, is, is great. Uh, the, other, the other thing is that 
when you're dealing with your brothers and sisters, you have a higher level of, of trust with them. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get to, a lot of times, you know, these people, you see them uh, once a week, at least sometimes multiple times a week and you can develop relationships and you just, what, what we've seen is kind of a, this network of people that have all these different skill sets. And as that continues to grow, we'll eventually be, it'll be kind of a self-sufficient economy working within the greater economy. And I guess something to note with the whole parallel economy idea is that it's not that you're not doing any business with the world, Mm -hmm. um, that, that would really put a damper on things quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, it, it's a great thing, in, in my opinion, if you can sell your goods and services to, to everyone mm-hmm. and that you're bringing in capital from the world, but then you can take that capital and say, okay, where do I want this to go now? Do I yeah. want it to go back out or do I want to keep it here? And that, that's how you're growing this parallel economy Yeah, is, is by redirecting the flow of money. Yeah, that's good stuff. So it sounds like you got some brothers that are close to you that are in your church family that you guys can talk back and forth and think through this stuff. I mean, you're starting a business together. So is that the case that you've got some good like-minded guys that you're able to think through this stuff, process through this stuff with, and then go to war with in the best sort of way? Are, are you, it sounds like you've got yeah. that local crew. So how's that yeah, worked out for do. you guys? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's been really good. Um, what, one of my friends always uses this, uh, this uh, motto or this turn of phrase, we just need a dozen guys rowing in the, in the same direction. Mm-hmm. It's like a, think about like a, a Viking longship or something. And we're all, we're all rowing in the same direction. We've got, we've got kind of a like-minded mission that, that becomes really effective when you have a band of men who are ha- having the same goals and vision mm-hmm. and there's just three of us with Cody. And what we did is we spent hours upon hours developing a company constitution. Okay. How do we want to go about this as an explicitly Christian business? And when I say Christian business, I'm not saying we're just selling like explicitly Christian stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're operating a business as Christians. So what does that mean as far as the way we deal with customers, the way we deal with one another? How do we go about it if one of the owners uh, just goes crazy mm-hmm. and and you have to they have to exit the company? How does that work? How do we do that as as Christians? So what we did is we went through our whole constitution and, and kind of went through it with a fine tooth comb and said, should this circumstance arise, how do we? handle it as Christians mm-hmm. because that's obviously the best way. And God's word speaks to essentially every aspect of life. Yeah. There's wisdom at minimum. There's great wisdom. You can apply to every situation under the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's good. I think it's critical in this time because I, I think people are listening to podcasts. People are in churches, local churches and think of the last couple of years that I think I know I've talked to so many guys that do feel alone where they're kind of getting this vision of what we're talking about and things seem to be crumbling and burning down around. And yet there's these hopeful people, whether it be post-millennialism or just a, a love for God's word and a passion for God's word. And they're just, they're set on fire for God's purposes. 
and they're looking around and they're wanting to fight in the same direction. They're wanting to use your term terminology, bro, in the same direction, but they look around and they're like, man, but who, who with like, where are these guys, yeah. are these brothers? So there's been tons of people moving to Moscow, Idaho. There's been some people moving to Ogden, uh, U- uh, Ogden, Utah. There's been some guys that have moved to Cincinnati with, with Michael Foster and these, these regional places. I've got a lot of friends in Springfield with Joshua Jenkins. There's been some guys that moved to Springfield as well. Mm-hmm. And we've got some folks that are going to be moving here and um, what is your take on that? The importance of if there's a guy that just feels isolated, you know, normally this podcast is for just, you know, for pastors. And I think there's going to be implications from this, this conversation for yeah. pastors, certainly. But for just the normal guy listening in that may be hearing this, it's, a, you know, like a gab dude who's like, oh, listen to this, this guy, this guy you know, Nick's on this, this thing. So I'm going to listen. Mm-hmm. Who feels alone. And yet he's set on fire from all this. He's like, yeah, the government's terrible. You know, Jesus is enough. Everybody needs to submit to King Jesus. What should they do? Like, are you on that bandwagon of, of saying, you know, find a church, move there, build something that's worthwhile? Is that kind of what you're thinking as well? Yeah. So it's, yeah, it, I think the the top priority ought to be finding a, a body of believers uh, to regularly fellowship with, to worship the Lord with. Be, being in a body of believers is, it's so important. It, it can't be understated. So if you're in an area where you don't have that, even if you have a great job, uh, I, I, I would say it's time to count the cost. What, what are you losing by not having a faithful body? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are you losing by not having this, this band of men around you? And is it worth keeping this job? Mm-hmm. Um, I think today there's a lot of, opportunity in the job market there's a lot of people starting businesses that need help uh that it would not be extraordinarily difficult to relocate to to a better spot and we i've seen on gab a lot this talk of uh balkanization where we might have uh these divides all over the country that the cracks are just widening Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an extremely divisive time in the in the world right now, and being situated on the right side of a line, mm-hmm. it, it could even be a county. Right. It doesn't doesn't sure. have to be just a state or a region. It could be a county, but being situated in the right spot, if if things really do break down, mm-hmm. which I it looks like we're headed there at a hundred miles an hour. <laughs> right, it does. It really does. Uh, it, go ahead. But, but if, if you have, if you have that community of Christians around you, it's a whole lot less scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, it would be very, it would be very unsettling to, to maybe see what's going on and realize I'm alone here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I certainly would be in favor of, of moving to a different location. If that's, if that's uh what seems to be wise there mm-hmm. i don't i don't know that um I, I don't i don't know how bad it'll get uh nobody does uh, nobody on earth does but um it if it maintains just like it is right now if you don't have a local body you're still missing out uh it yeah. doesn't have to get really 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 bad to say okay now i need now I need Christian fellowship. Yeah, that's good. And I think the, I mean, the reality of this is that the states that we live in, you're in Washington, 
I'm in Illinois. These are not, you know, states that people are flocking to right now. No. <laughs> I mean, not at all. No. And yet still in these states, what you find is some faithful brothers. We've got some faithful pastors in our area and church, like pastors that are being faithful, elder teams, church leaders, just churches that are being faithful to the scriptures. And they're not bowing to the false gods or the wrong gods, but bowing to King Jesus and him alone and submitting to his word. What we're seeing is healthy Christians that are feeling isolated are eventually finding their way to those assemblies. They're finding their way to those mm -hmm. congregations in our area. And so what I see is my, my buddies that are local, that are guys that they're in the trenches with me in pastoral ministry, even though we're not in the same congregation together. These guys, there are young men that are flocking to them, that are getting these churches. They're finding these churches. And what they're doing is they're looking around at the churches they're at and they're thinking like, man, I'm done with this. This is not, if things do get worse, this is not the group of people that I want my back to have my back and that, that I'm going to have their back. I need to be somewhere where I know there's going to be people here that, that this parallel economy thing at a local level can happen where we can take care of mm -hmm. one another. And I think for the pastors listening in, it is critical that given enough time, if you're just faithful in basics of ministry, basics of pastoral ministry and building your own household and, and holding that up as an example, not a perfect example, but an example for the congregation, then eventually what's going to happen is that the churches that are built on sand, smoke and mirrors, they end up, falling away they end up mm -hmm. uh, imploding and what ends up happening is is these guys that are just just day in day out trying to, to humbly walk before god and men that these kind of men guys like nick they end up getting at a church a local church and finding each other and i think that's something that's super hopeful in the midst of the the burning you know heaps of piles that are just everywhere is that people are finding one another and it may be uprooting yeah. and moving or it may be just turning your attention to the next town over and finding a local congregation there of like-minded people yeah, there, I I think you're you're spot on with that. That I, what it, it's, I mean, it's got to be this the spirit guiding people uh, to to these places. It's not. I don't think this is like a a common occurrence. Like in, in great great times, you don't see people just relocating all over the place. Mm -hmm. uh, but but everything's being shaken right now, and I think God's using this to guide people to where they should be. Yeah. And it's a good thing. I wanted to add with along with kind of this post-millennial vision, long-term thinking, uh Washington state even as a state, um you look around and it's it's kind of crazy. Um I I would rank it politically as one of the worst states in the nation. Um there's some good pockets of people around here. Um uh, but you also have California moving up to Washington. Mm, so okay. what the, what that's doing is driving up all the real estate around here. Okay. So it's really hard for someone to come out of high school or college and then just start a family and, and get a home and, and build. Mm -hmm. So another aspect of this long-term thinking is uh, personally me, is this a spot where I can stay? Yes, there's a good band of men here. But can I build a family here? And then when my children are grown, can they come back here and continue right. to build? Yeah. So those are, those are thoughts I'm running through. It's another aspect in this whole decision-making of relocating. How, how, many, uh, how many generations forward are you thinking? Yeah. That's, that's are, are you thinking, yeah, this, this next decade that – 
kind of that, that's kind of the range I've always planned in um, is like five to ten years ahead. Where do I want to be in five years? Where do I want to be in ten years? Mm-hmm. And lately, it's been where where do I want my children, my grandchildren, my great grandchildren? Do it? Is there a way I can take steps today that are going to make life better for them? Mm-hmm. Um, richer not not just in the financial aspect but having solid community having uh, land that can produce fruit Mm -hmm. raise livestock on all of these sorts of things they're they're age-old forms of wealth um, being able to work the land and and we've just kind of lost sight of that Mm -hmm. yeah over over the last last few decades or even more maybe and that we're going to see a resurgence in that people starting to homestead and, and whatnot. And even our brief foray into, into chickens this past spring really uh, wet our appetites to, to look at, okay, how can we, how can we do this? We need our children to learn this so they can teach their children to do it. Mm-hmm. So there's even myself, I, I don't know if Washington is, is the long-term solution. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly certainly open to moving but right now it's let's let's keep building and keep taking it a day at a time trusting that what god's working is is good Mm -hmm. and we have to just walk walk in obedience each day yeah one day at a time brother you end up you end up exactly where the lord wants you you know yeah and so let me ask you this if you go out and buy just an acre of land out there i mean what what is it uh, per acre price right now generally per acre ballpark. um like just like a lot to build on well if you're just going out and you're wanting to buy 10 acres what do you what do you buy buying it for uh 10 acres you can go way up in the hills about 45 minutes to an hour north of here and and get on 10 acres for probably 100 100 125,000 okay um but a lot of it's going to be really brushy really steep Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're looking at like a quarter acre lot in in town to build on like all the all the um what we'd call starter homes like a three bed um mm-hmm. two bath home on like a seven thousand square foot lot they're all around four hundred to five hundred thousand. Oh my god that is unbelievable so, yeah it's we we've been looking at it and it's like uh, new construction out here is slowing down. Um, it's it slowed down a lot in the last couple of months, but the market is still really hot. Goodness so gracious. that's, that's one aspect of, okay, is this, is this sustainable? Can we continue to raise a family here? And mm-hmm. can we um, perhaps have our children move back here, be able to afford to move back here? Because it, I guess I can get into this 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 dream I have that I I think is isn't fully detailed out yet, but it's what I want to work towards because I think it's a good plan and and it would be uh, glorifying to God. Is I'd love to be in a a location where I could afford uh, uh, real estate, get mm-hmm. us in a house that we can live in uh, until until we die, if that's yeah. the Lord's plan. Yeah, but it uh at that same time be building this business and then if the lord continues to bless it and it grows we can start 
building up uh, rental properties, whatever it may be. And then as our kids come of age, we'll be able to say, here's a house to get your mm -hmm. family started or at least help them out in a great way. Mm -hmm. But then over the course of a couple of generations, you can have this whole county that is surrounded by people who have now have a history there. Yeah. And it, it's, it's just a productive community, Christian community. And I, I think if, if you had multiple Christian families doing that, working towards that, you would see these pockets like Moscow, um, you would see them start popping up all over the country. And well, I, well, I tell you what, man, that's exactly what my buddy Riley both is going to be moving here to do. He's going to be a boots on the ground here pretty soon. And he's going to take over Southern Illinois here in about 15 to 20 years. It's just mm -hmm. going to take him a little time to get there. But uh, but he's got some cool things going on. In fact, this is a neat plug. We got some neat things going on with the Majesty's Men, which is a separate thing we got going on. We have an investment group uh, and certain things that are going on. And you got to check out or reach out to Riley both on Twitter for everybody, or anybody that's interested in. And, and you got to check that out too, Nick, as well, what he's got going on. Mm -hmm. He's got some great ideas and investment ideas and, and things that are actually working and a track record of that working within real estate. Okay. And so um, anyways, it's just a resource that you may want to look into. Why don't we go ahead and yeah. wrap things up? I want to hear from you before we get going. And, uh, you know, for everybody that they generally know the question that's coming, but I want to hear why you love Jesus and, and really point you to just praise God for his grace in your life. But then also just wrap it up by telling us where we can find more information about you and Cody and everything that you got going on out there. Sure. Yeah. So where to begin? Uh, I love Jesus because he's, uh, he, he took God's wrath that I rightly deserved. Mm. Uh, it, God's grace is the reason that I am the man that I am today and, and not far worse. And I, I love Jesus because he's, he's given us his word He's given us this instruction book for all of life. Uh, and, and he's this source of eternal hope, day-to-day -day hope mm -hmm. and, and eternal hope that I, I couldn't imagine life without uh, through, through all the trials and pains and temptations, uh, good times and the bad. Jesus is, he's the rock. Mm, amen. He's the fortress, my defense. And I can't say enough how much I love Jesus for that. Amen. Well, good stuff, man. All right. We'll point us to your work. Where can we find you? You got a website or anything like that we can check out? Yeah. Yeah. So Cody Manufacturing, it's uh, CodyMFG.com, K-O-T-I-M-F-G.com. Uh, we'll be on Gab at CodyMFG. And then you can find me on Gab at Nick the Storm. And I post there sometimes frequently, sometimes infrequently, depending on how busy life gets. So awesome. Very cool. We'll include yeah. all that in the show notes as well. And this will be out on Gab. So if you're watching on Gab, please feel free to sh subscribe, share, and spread the word about the show. And for everybody listening in, thanks so much. Please consider leaving a rating or review. And we just want to thank you for continuing to come back. Nick, thanks so much, man, for coming on the show, brother. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Jared. Absolutely. It's been fun. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. For more information, go to theshepherdscrook.co.